You know, over the years of pastoring and counseling, I've had uh, people make various statements to me. And as I was thinking about the message this morning about the beginning of joy, I remembered a couple of statements that I've heard from various people over the years and statements like this. You know, I, I just don't enjoy life anymore. Or maybe something like this that I've heard. You know, I, I'm just not happy with the way my life is right now. And any form of those statements, basically someone is saying that I just don't feel joy in life. Usually when someone makes that statement, they're making a statement that relates to the fact that there's some circumstances in their life that they're experiencing at this point in their life that, that maybe those circumstances don't seem to be getting any better and they, they just don't feel a sense of joy and happiness, and so they're just not happy with the way their life is right now. They're not enjoying life. But yet, at a scripture that we look at this morning, matter of fact, if you want to open your Bible or open the Bible app to Nehemiah chapter 8, we're going to read verses 1 through 12, but in Nehemiah chapter 8, in verse 10, Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so he's reminding us that for us to have joy in our life, there's this connection of getting strength from the Lord. And I have seen over the years that the people who are able to endure circumstances that are not the best circumstances in life are usually the ones that their strength is in the Lord, therefore they still have a joy. Now they may not be happy about the circumstances they're facing at that point, but yet there's an inner joy that is giving them strength to make it through the circumstances that they're facing right now and to make it on. As we look in the scriptures in Nehemiah chapter 8 this morning, as a little bit of a background, the uh, children of Israel have uh, just been at a point that if we were to look back through history, they've been in Babylonian exile for about 70 years. And then finally, through a series of power struggles and changes, they're finally allowed to go back to their homeland. And now, at the point of what we're looking at in the Scriptures today, they've been out of exile about as long as they were in exile. And yet, they're not experiencing joy in their life. Matter of fact, uh, there's a sense of some sadness and mourning among them. And that's because even though they finally have been out of exile for a while, Things are not like it used to be when they sensed a sense of joy and happiness in their life. And Nehemiah, as kind of a governing person at this point, who had been the cupbearer for the powerful king at that point, now has kind of teamed up with Ezra, who is kind of a prophet-priest, and now they are strengthening the people and getting them back to some spiritual basics and suddenly the sense of the sadness, the mourning, the grief, the sorrow is making a transition to joy in their life. And that's where Nehemiah says not to be sorrowful and not to grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's look at this in Nehemiah chapter 8. And uh, I'm reading this this morning now, the uh, New King James translation. It says, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in the front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Now I want to pause there for a moment because as we read through the Scriptures and as we study, it's pretty obvious that even though the children of Israel, having been out of exile for quite a number of years, they haven't been back 
to the Word of God. Now you would think that having been in exile for 70 years and now being out of exile for a lot of years and you'd think that they got back to the basics of things spiritually in their life. But here we see that Ezra the scribe is pulling out the law of Moses. The law of Moses would mean that they would be basically pulling out the first five books of the Bible that they had written down on scribes. And it says this, or in scrolls. In verse 2 it says, So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from the morning until midday. So from early in the morning, they're spending a few hours hearing the Word of God. And then the Bible tells us, Before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. And you'll notice in this uh, translation as I'm reading it that you'll see the word attentive or understanding mentioned several times, which basically means that they're hearing the Word of God, and it's just not that they're hearing words spoken, but it's coming alive to them. They're capturing the meaning of it. It's getting into their heart and their soul. Now, verse 4 says, So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood Mattathiah and Shema and Ananiah and Uriah and Hilkiah and Masiah. And at his left hand were Padiah, Mishael, Malachiah, Hashbun, Hashem, Hashbaniah, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And then all the people answered, would you say this with me? Amen, amen. And do this, while lifting up their hands. That makes you feel pretty good. It makes me feel good. Let's try it one more time. So they said, amen, amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now You don't have to get out of your pew. You can just stay where you're at. Verse 7 says, also, Jeshua and Benai and Sherebiah and Jamin and Akab and Shabbatai and Hodiah and Masaiah and Kelatai and Azariah and Jezebad and Hanan and Peliah and the Levites helped the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place. And so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. In Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. I want to pause there for a second. They're in a deep transition time. They've been kind of in a depressed state discouraged, disappointed, because before Nehemiah showed up, the walls around Jerusalem were still destroyed, so they had no defense against enemy, enemies coming against them. So they were living back in their land, but it was still in kind of a rubbish state, you might say. And so they were feeling defenseless, they were feeling discouraged, they were feeling disappointment, they were remembering things of the past that no longer existed, family members who were no longer around, and so they had been in that state, and now 
They're bringing out the law of God. They're bringing out the scriptures, and the people are beginning to understand. They're becoming attentive to the word of God. And so they're in this transition of being depressed, discouraged, and now they're starting to weep. And if you've ever been at a point where you've really been down and out, discouraged and depressed, and things are starting to get better, and it's just starting to overwhelm you, there is that point of kind of weeping that kind of overcomes you. And you go and you weep, and the weeping starts breaking into tears, and the tears start breaking into laughter and smile and joy. That's where they are right now. They're going from this discouraged, disappointed, down-and-out state. They're being pricked in their heart, and now they're beginning to weep and mourn. They're remembering how they have drifted so much from God and where they're moving now. And verse 10 says, And then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. What was Ezra trying to do, he was trying to compose the people to say, all right, you've been down and out discouraged. Now you're being overwhelmed and you're sensing all that has been and all that is happening now. You're remembering all. And so you're overcome, but let's let go of the mourning. Let's let go of the sorrow. Let's let go of the grief that we've been experiencing. Because this day is holy and the joy of the Lord will be your strength. He's saying, you're going to transition from sorrow to joy and the joy of the Lord is going to give you strength to move on. And it says in verse 12, And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. It got a hold of their hearts. It pricked them. But now they've heard the words of Azariah. And now they're thinking, yes, life is going to be different for us now. And they're beginning to experience the joy of the Lord. And it says here that they leave rejoicing, eating, drinking, sharing among themselves, rejoicing greatly. Because the joy of the Lord had got a hold of them. And the question we have to ask ourselves today is that how, how do we get this beginning of joy? If we're at a point in our life when we've been kind of beat up, down and out, discouraged, or maybe we're kind of like what I've mentioned where some people have said to me, you know, I just don't enjoy life the way I used to. I'm just not enjoying my life the way it is right now. How do we get this beginning of joy to come back into our life? Well, I believe the beginning of that is to release what sorrows or, as part of the Scripture says, what grief that we have, release it to the Lord. You can't get to a point in your life that you get joy back in your life because when there is a sense of no happiness or no joy, that means something has crowded it out. Do we understand that? If there's not a sense of joy in your life, there's not a sense of happiness, that means something has moved into your emotions, your mind, your heart. Something has moved in and is squeezing it out. And so now we're at a point in our life for us to ever get the joy back. we got to release what has invaded our life. we got to release it to the Lord because we can't handle it ourselves. The Bible tells us in many different instances that we're to take our burdens to the Lord, right? 
That whatever is yoked us, we need to release that and yoke up with the Lord. So the beginning of getting joy and happiness in our life is that we've got to release what has put a grip on us, what has invaded our hearts and our minds and our emotions, what is causing us to feel the weight of sorrow and grief rather than joy and happiness. We've got to release it. But you can't just say, okay, I'm just going to let it go. We all understand that. There's no just, when you've been, no matter what has happened in your life that has, that has invaded or has weighed you down to where there's not joy in your life, you can't just say, all right, I'm just going to let it go. Just let it go and break into the frozen song. That don't work. Someone has to take that load from you. Someone has to carry it, and you've got to release it to the Lord. And as I began to think about what had to be released as sorrows from the children of Israel that are similar to us today, there's a few thoughts that were pretty obvious from these scriptures, and that is sometimes for us to get to a point of joy in our life, we've got to release our past. Release it over to the Lord. The past is what is kind of like luggage, baggage in our life that is moving along with us. It's what has accumulated, that's just accumulating a sense of sadness in our life. And for us to get to a point that we can really have joy in our life, we've got to release our past to the Lord. And I'm sure there's some in here today that there's some things in your past that have caused you to feel a sense of sorrow and grief and sadness. And it's hindering you experiencing the full joy and the strength of the Lord. And maybe this morning the Lord is trying to speak to you and I and to say, Let's let go of the past. Let's turn it over to the Lord and let Him begin to work it out. And you know, when you deal with the past, a lot of times a person may say, well, wait a minute, you don't understand how complex the things are that involve my past. Maybe I don't, but the Lord does. He understands all about our past. You see, the children of Israel... They could have been important when Nehemiah and Ezra were saying, today is holy, don't be sorrowful, don't be grieving, because the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. And they could have said, yeah, but wait a minute. I am haunted by the past memories. You see, I'm standing here in a bunch of rubble. And a lot of times we look at our lives and we look around us and think, my life is just in shambles. It is, it's a bunch of rubble. You see, the children of Israel, they could look around, and prior to Nehemiah showing up, there was broken down walls. Matter of fact, when I visited Jerusalem, and as I was visiting there, and there were some walls that were still around the city, but they, those were walls that were, had been rebuilt two and three times where they'd been destroyed. And around those structures, you could see where there were previous walls that had been destroyed, and there were still some of the mass that was laying there. Our lives are kind of like that. We try to rebuild, but there's still some things of the past that kind of just are a rubble around in our lives. But the great thing is that over time the Lord continues to build. And there were some places in Jerusalem that you couldn't see any of the past. As far as the rubble and destruction. You know why? Because it had been built back over. There have been new structures, new roads that had been built over the rubble. And that's the way our past is that when we get kind of consumed and we look around us and we say, look at this mess. Matter of fact, the children of Israel, if we read all of the book of Nehemiah, we would see that they were just kind of overwhelmed of their condition of how bad it was. And yet Nehemiah came and he began to rally the people together. He began to ward off the enemy that was fighting against them. Matter of fact, there was Sambalat 
and Tobiah that are mentioned in the scriptures prior to chapter 8. That they were constantly making fun and, and harassing them and trying to uh, bring about kind of this sense of hopelessness. But yet Nehemiah kept rallying them on. Nehemiah was kind of like a symbol to you and I today of how the Lord does. Of don't listen to the devil. And don't be caught up and consumed by looking at all the things that have messed up in your life and the shambles things seem to be in. Because the Lord is a great God at rebuilding our lives. You know how the Lord Jesus Christ was once described in the the New Testament? That He is the cornerstone where the builders start building. Jesus is the cornerstone for our lives, for us to rebuild our lives. So this morning, if your past seems to kind of be a shambles around you, the Lord is great at rebuilding. The children of Israel not only had their past, but they had their pain that they were dealing with. They not only looked at the shambles that around them and could remember, hey, there used to be great walls here, and we had a great temple, and we had great homes. But they also had the pain that they were feeling because many of them knew of family members that had lost their lives when they were taken over in exile. And so all the things of the pains of grandparents and those of the past whose lives were gone and the pain of what they had experienced from joy to discouragement to being in exile, that pain was deep inside of them. And yet the Lord was bringing joy into their life. So Nehemiah told them and Ezra told them, said, don't sorrow. And don't grieve, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's amazing that over the years of just living and pastoring, how that I've seen where in people's lives there's all kinds of things. I've seen people, their homes have been destroyed by fire. I've seen people lose their mates and family members. I've seen divorces break up families. I've seen all kinds of devastation. I've seen people who have committed suicide, and those things have haunted people's minds and have caused great pain. And there's an expression that has been heard inside Christianity and outside Christianity, and that is, time heals. But true healing doesn't come from time. It comes from the Lord. It is only the Lord can heal us. When you've had pain or personal loss in your life, Because some of the children of Israel had had personal loss of every possession. They had no possessions left. They had lost everything. All they had was the clothes on their back. And yet the Lord was taking that sorrow, that grief, and they were turning it over to Him. And if you're in that category today of whether there's some things of the past or pain or some personal loss in your life, let me tell you, the Lord wants to take that weight from you. And it's not an immediate healing. I hope we all understand that. It's not immediate. It's something where the Lord begins to work in us. Now, the Lord could do it immediately. But He has to do a healing inside of us. He could just cause our minds to click and have no remembrance of it. He could cause all the pain just to go away. But there's two problems with that. If the Lord just took away all memories and took away all pain and we just went on, there's two problems. We would not be strong enough to endure the next thing that comes along and we would be of no use to help somebody else when they're in the same situation. 
And I know sometimes it's hard to grab that in our minds, but God allows us to go through things in our life so that we can help others when we've experienced His joy and strength. So how do you get the beginning of joy? You first begin to release what sorrows you have and turn it over to the Lord. And then you begin to strengthen or you begin to restore what strengthens you in the Lord. I believe that every one of us can see very clearly from these scriptures that the children of Israel began to get their strength, as Nehemiah stated there, as they began to see God's Word. Now, we know that they had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And through those scriptures, as they began to read, now they spent in hours, remember, from morning to midday. And they're hearing people read those scriptures and explain things to them, and it's grabbing into their hearts. And so they're beginning to see the promises of God. They've seen how that God did some miraculous things for the children of Israel in the past, how He parted seas, how He provided manna. They saw the promises that God had in His Word. And part of you and I restoring what strengthens us in the Lord is, is when we begin to go to God's Word and get those promises for you and I today. The good thing is that God's promises, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means what God promised 2,000 years ago is still good for us today. He never changes. And so we get strength from God's promises. Matter of fact, one of the things that helps me get stay strong day in and day out. Now, when I say stay strong, that doesn't mean that I don't experience weak moments or frustrating moments or points that just feel like. But what keeps me going and gives me strength is when I read God's word and I see the promises that are in there for me today. The promises from God's word. Matter of fact, I want to read something to you that uh, reminds us about what Nehemiah was experiencing. And if you got your Bible, turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. I just want to read beginning in verse 4. In Nehemiah chapter 1, it takes us back to a point of when Nehemiah is just beginning to realize the condition of his people back in Jerusalem. And he is overwhelmed. And it's really at this point that we begin to see how that Nehemiah is beginning to take things back. And here's what it says in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4. He has just heard word about the people who have gone back, but they're in great distress, they're in reproach, the walls are still broken down, the gates have been burned with fire. And then verse 4 says, So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night. For the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which you have sinned, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. Now pause a moment there at the end of verse 6. That Nehemiah is not blaming anything on anybody else. He's throwing himself in there too. He said, my fathers have sinned, I have sinned. We're in a state of sin. But he's praying and seeking the Lord with fasting and praying. Verse 7 says, we have acted very corruptly against you. We have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you have commanded your servant Moses. 
Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest point of the heavens, yet I will gather you, I will gather them from there, and I will bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. What is Nehemiah doing? He's praying what does he keep saying? I'm praying. Hear my prayers. You see, a lot of what makes us strong is not only going back to the promises of God and God's Word, but it's getting back to our prayer time and to our personal walk with the Lord. You see, Nehemiah said, Lord, my, my fathers have sinned and I have sinned. We haven't been keeping your commandments. And you said, Lord, that if we ever became unfaithful, things were going to fall apart. And that's what they had experienced. They had become unfaithful And things have fallen apart. And over the years, I have seen people who have been faithful to the Lord and they go through some struggles. But I have also seen people that have drifted in their faithfulness and I've seen things begin to crumble. What gets you back to your joy and your strength? Your promises from God's Word, your prayer time with Him, and then your personal walk with the Lord. The beginning of true joy always begins with restoring our spiritual condition. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment this morning. Wherever you are in your life, if you can kind of relate to the children of Israel or maybe to some people I've counseled with that have said, you know, I just don't enjoy life anymore. I'm not happy with my life the way it is right now. Let me tell you, you're not the only person in that boat. But today is a day that the Lord wants to begin something new in your life. The beginning of joy. Joy beginning doesn't mean all your circumstances are changing. Doesn't mean that the Lord is going to block out every memory. But it does mean that if you'll restore the things that make you strong, if you get back to the things that where you had the greatest joy in your life, when you were in God's Word and when you spent time in prayer, when you were faithful to God's house, when you were serving the Lord and what, with whatever gifts and talents He's given you, that is the greatest joy. And that's where the Lord wants to bring you back. This morning, if, if you need that joy while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you need the joy to begin back in your life, You need to restore some spiritual things that will get you right on the right track. You need the strength of the Lord. Would you just, while nobody's looking, would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Yes. Yes, I see those hands. Yes, are there others that would just say, Pastor, pray for me? Yes. Hands going up everywhere. Amazing thing of all different ages. Lord, I come to you right now. Lord, I know that that for all of us, we come to points of circumstances in our life that, that the sadness, the sorrow, the grief, 
starts weeding in on us. Matter of fact, as I was studying that word sorrow and grief in the Hebrew language, it said it could be translated to be worried, to grieve, to hurt feelings, to touch the emotions. Could even be translated to hurt oneself. That's the deep grief that they had experienced. To where even there could be translated they wanted to inflict pain upon themselves or take their own lives. Life wasn't worth living. I don't know where some of you that raised your hands or others who may be feeling the same way, you just didn't raise your hand. I don't know what level you may be of just some emotional hurt, some grief, some worry. Or maybe a point in your life that life's just not worth living. You just soon not even live. Wherever you are, if you begin to restore some spiritual things in your life, you will understand and be attentive to the reality that the joy of the Lord is your strength in restoring spiritual things. The children of Israel had rallied together under the leadership of Nehemiah and they had rebuilt the walls. But when they really got relief of the sorrow and the grief and the discouragement and the disappointment, when they got over their past and their pain and their personal loss, was when spiritual things began to happen in their life. So Lord, my prayer is that for those who raised their hand this morning, Lord, that you will begin to restore spiritual things in their life, that they'll release the past and the pain and the personal loss. And today they will restore the promises of God. They'll restore their prayer life, their personal walk with you and their serving you. Lord, that they'll get back to those things that make them strong and restore joy. And Lord, I know that no matter what I've faced in my life, there has been no greater moments of joy than when I am in tune with you and you are touching me. And so, Lord, my prayer is for those who raise their hand, Lord, that they'll begin to restore the things to get them in tune with you. And, Lord, that you, they will be touched by you, by your Spirit. And, Lord, I'm going to give you the praise and the victory because, God, I know you're going to do a transformation in some people's lives. Lord, that you're going to take them back to a point of joy and push out the grief, the sorrow, the hurt, the emotions. God, that you're going to give them victory. And Lord, for some, it'll take a little bit of rebuilding. Some, it'll take a little paving over. But they'll get the joy. And I'm going to give you the praise. In your name I pray.